0: are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the college football playoff and the decision by the college football playoff committee to leave out Florida State and put in Texas and Alabama. We've got a quote directly from somebody who was on the competition committee, and we'll hear some things, what went on behind the scenes in terms of that decision, and just talk more in general about it, since I know people are still struggling. With the idea that a 13-0 Power 5 conference team did not get in. We're also going to talk about what else it means in college football playoffs. Also, the transfer portal has portal has already seen some fairly big names enter the portal. And some of you have some of them have you scratching your head, like, wait, what? Um, the NFL, the last two weeks, have pretty much been dominated by the favorites. However, we had a upset last night. We're going to preview the Dallas-Cowboy-Philadelphia-Eagle game this weekend. Everything is there for Dallas to take this game. If they can't win this game, this is all on them. They have zero excuses. And I think coming from that game, I think we have a serious MVP debate between the two quarterbacks. And we'll talk about all that and more coming up momentarily. So let's start here. And that's with the College Football Playoff Committee Admitting, well, not admitting, but saying that, hey, Florida State, we left them out and Texas and Alabama are in as the three and the four. I think one thing everyone has to remember from the get-go, this is the only sport I believe in America where its playoff teams are chosen by people on a committee who don't have any set parameters of, hey, this is what you have to consider and these are the criteria that someone has to meet to get in. You have to remember These four teams that are picked every single year in the college football playoff committee since this four-team playoff started back in 2014, they are chosen by a group of 13 people. Some are former coaches, some are administrators, some are professors. It's not even like people that have college football as their full-time job. I don't think I'm speaking out of line here. In fact, I'm not. This is a very flawed system. We have known this for 10 years. It's a ridiculous way to achieve your four playoff teams. There's no other sport in America that does this. When the NBA playoffs roll around, we know who's making it. You know why? Because they take everything you did on the court, they take the top, well, now it's 10 seeds in each conference, and you play it off. What happens in baseball? Top six teams in baseball in each American League and National League. Wherever you finish in those top six seeds, that's where you get in. NFL playoffs, top 7 seeds in the AFC, top 7 teams in the NFC. NHL, you know, down the line, same exact thing, NBA playoffs, all that stuff. We all know how these tea, how these sports police their playoff system. This is the only sport in America where the playoff teams are determined by people who are giving a basically a subjective opinion on what they think. So, we have to establish right off the bat This is flawed. And when you have a system like this, where people in a room are deciding who makes the playoffs, clearly you're going to have things that pop up that happened like that happened on Sunday, where there's going to be a fan base and there's going to be a school that is completely pissed off as to what was chosen and what that committee came up with. The thing is, the committee has been able to get away with it for pretty much 10 years because they've never had this deep of a field. They've never had, after 13 weeks of playing football, they've never had this many teams with zero or one loss. It's just never happened. Yeah, you've never had a undefeated Power 5 conference champion be excluded from the college football playoff until this year with Florida State. However, in the same vein, you've never had seven Power 5 teams finish the regular season with one or zero losses. So that's what you have to take into account when you say, oh, they finished 13-0. How did they not make it? Well, you have to take everything into account. We've never had this many teams with that much of a resume. And something that I didn't talk about yesterday that I wanted to pull up, and it kind of shows you how ridiculous it is, this college football playoff committee basically said we were deciding between Alabama and Florida State, which team was four and which team was five. They decided to go with Alabama and they put Florida State as five. Well, then they also put Georgia six because when they rank those teams, one, two, three, and four, they're basically saying, we think Michigan beats everybody else below them. And then Washington's number two. We think Washington is the second best team. They wouldn't beat Michigan, but they'd beat three, four, five, and six, so on and so forth down the line. Well, you're putting Florida State at five and you put Georgia at six. So what the committee is saying is, we don't think they're better than Alabama, but we think they're better than Georgia. Really? then why the hell is Georgia a two-touchdown favorite in the Orange Bowl when they're playing Florida State? I'm not saying lines 100% matter and everything, but it's kind of ridiculous to say Florida State is number five. If you didn't put them over ahead of Alabama, you don't put them ahead of Georgia. I'm sorry. Everybody knows that Georgia is better than Florida State as well. But for this particular argument, they had to put them at five. But here's one thing that I want to say, and this was in a story yesterday as someone kind of went behind the scenes and got a quote from somebody on the committee who told ESPN what their thought process was. They didn't name themselves because they don't need to, but this was their quote. They said, all of us had the emotional tie like, holy shit, this is really going to suck to do this, meaning putting Florida State fifth and denying them a chance to play in the college football playoff. And this person said, We talked about that over and over, and we just kept coming back to, are they good enough with what they have to win a national championship? And it just kept coming back to, we didn't think they could. I said it yesterday, 10 times. I'll say it again today, 10 times. Florida State fans, the only reason you are not in the college football playoff is because that Jordan Travis broke his leg. Because that's what they're saying. The current iteration of this team we didn't think was good enough to win a national championship. Now, that in and of itself is also flawed because that's just someone's opinion. That's how crazy this is with the college football playoff committee. That's who's deciding who plays for the national championship, who creates memories that could last a lifetime. I don't think Florida State should have been in there. I think they made the right decision, But they also made a decision based on their opinion. I think because if you put Alabama, if you leave Alabama out and you put them Florida State in over Bama, you're pissing Bama off. Same thing if you would have left Texas out and included Alabama and Florida State as the other two teams. That would have really pissed Texas off because Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa earlier in the season by double digits. But you have to, when you're talking about this particular story and you're talking about the college football playoff, and oh my God, I can't believe Florida State got screwed. You can't just leave it at that. You have to include everything. You have to also say, when you say, I cannot believe a 13-0 Power 5 conference team did not get in, you also have to follow that up with, but I also can't believe that this is the first year in 10 years that the committee had seven One loss or no loss teams to deal with and had to fit them into four spots. I'm sorry, that's part of the story. It just is. And it's a flawed system. We've always known this, but they've kind of gotten away with it. Every year, basically everything seemed to play itself out. You had a couple years here and there where maybe somebody had a gripe, but it wasn't nearly as big as Florida State's gripe. In the final year of the four team playoff, you had the biggest gripe ever. And As I said yesterday, I absolutely think Florida State has a gripe, but if Alabama would have gotten left out, I would have said they had a gripe, and if Texas would have got left out, I would have said they had a gripe. The problem was you had five conference champions for four spots. Somebody was getting screwed, and in the 10 years previous, they've never had to deal with that. They've never had the five conference champions where it was obvious five all had a case and a resume. You obviously had five conference champions every year between Big 10, Pac 12, ACC, SEC, Big 12. You always had conference champions every year, but it just so happened that every single year, all five of those conference champions weren't qualified, quote unquote, to get into the college football playoff, whether it's because they had two or three losses, because we know a two loss team has never made the college football playoff, or. It just wasn't a team whose resume stacked up to the other teams that made it. They just lucked out for 10 years. But in the final year, yeah, it bit them in the ass. This whole idea of 13 people in a room are going to determine who makes the college football playoffs are the ones that screwed is is what happened. They, they finally bit them in the ass that the committee was left with an impossible decision. And basically, they went with the one that they had an out for. And the out was... Florida State doesn't have their quarterback he's their best player they're missing him it's very 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 easier it's much easier to leave Florida State out than Texas and Alabama who are playing at full strength and who have the same exact resume as Florida State if not a little bit better on the strength of schedule side it makes all the sense in the world why they did what they did but you also got to remember hey it's just a year that unfortunately it was just bad timing for Florida State there's really no other way to put it You know, the head of college, the executive director of the college football playoff, Bill Hancock, he said yesterday, we've never had a year with eight teams at the top as good as these are, and the five conference champions, one through five, we've never had it come out that way. And this was probably the toughest, is what he said. And he's not lying. I mean, it it was. We all know. It It was an impossible decision because somebody was going to be livid, but the team that they chose... It made the most sense because they were the one team out of those three, Alabama, Texas, and Florida State, who was missing their best player. So it was just easier to say, hey, this is the team that doesn't get it. Great season. Unfortunate. We only take four teams. Next year, this wouldn't have been an issue. Florida State would have been the five seed. They would have played the 12 seed, which was Liberty. I mean, I would i would think they could beat Liberty with Tate Roadmaker at quarterback, but, you know, who knows? But next year... The debate is going to be seeding and, oh, shit, we didn't get in. We were the 13th ranked team in the nation. We we think we were one of the best 12. Like, that's how next year's debate is going to go. It's basically like the debate we have during the NCAA tournament when teams get in as the last teams in teams like 66, 67, and 68. It's just like, okay, for the most part, those teams never last past the first weekend. Maybe occasionally here and there they do. But what's what do people gripe about when it comes to the NCAA tournament? the last teams in the field. Well, that's dealing with a field of 68. Next year, we're going to be dealing with a field of 12 for college football playoff, and the teams in the 13 and 14 range are going to gripe about, we should be in there. And then people are going to say, just like they do for college basketball, well, I mean, is the 12th or 13th or 14th or team really going to win it all? You know, we're going to have to have a few years under our belt before we determine that. But yeah, next year... While it will take away from the conference championship games, basically the conference championship games next year are going to be played as fighting for seeding because I would assume both teams that play for the conference championship are going to be in the playoff. There might be some instances where a two loss team is playing for the conference championship and if they lose, they're probably not a top 12 team with three losses, very possible, but if a one loss team is playing a no loss team and the one loss team loses by three chances are they're probably still getting in depends on the conference depends on the team depends on their strength the schedule, all that stuff. But next year it's going to be, I I really enjoy it. I mean, even looking at the, the seedings for this year, how it would have played out if the top 12 advanced, you know, Florida state would have gotten in, like you said, as, as the five C they would have played Liberty. And then they would have, assuming they would have beaten Liberty. They would have gotten their shot at Michigan, you know, um, unfortunate it's not going to happen for them this year because the 12-team playoff doesn't start till next year, but it's just fun to look at. And I think, again, next year when this rolls around and we're seeing, yes, you're going to see some games during the regular season where you're going to be like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. They're both getting in. Well, we kind of see that in the NFL and nobody complains about the NFL playoffs, you know? Um, Yeah, Ohio State-Michigan, if they both have zero losses or they both have one loss, yeah, the Ohio State-Michigan game, probably both are getting in, but... We won't know until next year. Uh, I just can't wait for it, and I hope you can't either. So, as I mentioned earlier, it is kind of ridiculous. I understand what they had to do for television purposes, and you had to put Florida State 5 if you're going to choose Alabama and Texas to go over them, but we all know that Georgia is better than Florida State as currently constructed with Tate Rotemaker as quarterback because why is a 6-seed a 14-point favorite over a 5-seed? Like, it is kind of ridiculous to see that. <clears throat> and I look at Georgia, and I even said it the other day. Like, there was a part of me on Saturday night that was like, how are they going to drop the number one team in the nation who'd won 29 in a row and only lost by three points in their conference championship? How are they going to drop them from one to five or one to six? I go, I just, but I wasn't thinking big picture, which I've told everybody to think big picture. And that's because. There were people who had resumes that were just as good as theirs, who were conference champions, meaning Texas and Alabama. That's why they jumped them. But what Kirby Smart is doing at Georgia is pretty amazing. Do you realize over the last three seasons, Kirby Smart is one and two against Alabama? Hey, he's got a win over them. That's great. You know who he is against? You know what his record is against everybody else? Forty and (laughs) zero. I mean, it's why they've they're two-time defending national champions but they're 1 and 2 against Alabama and 40 and 0 against everybody else in college football over the last 2 years. So don't tell me they're the 6th ranked team. They're the 6th best team in college football this year. They're not. Especially they're not as bad or not behind Florida State. And they should, assuming none of their guys opt out of the bowl game or whatever cuz we don't know what's going to happen with Georgia's team come bowl game time. A lot of them are disappointed. You know, the motivation really isn't there. Like, Georgia has no motivation for the Orange Bowl, and Florida State has all the motivation in the world. So that could play a role, but assuming all of Georgia's guys play and Kirby Smart can get them to remotely care about winning the Orange Bowl, they should steamroll Florida State. Florida State should not be able to score more than 13, 14 points on them. It's just a matter of what Georgia puts up on their end, because Florida State has a really good defense. But are they going to hold Georgia in check and be able to score themselves? I don't know. But it is pretty crazy to think that Kirby Smart is 40-0 and against everyone else in college football other than Alabama since 2021. Did you see some of the team, guys that went in the portal? The interesting one was Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord. Here's a guy that went 11-1 and his only loss was to Michigan. Threw for over 3,000 yards, and he decides at the end of this year, yeah, I'm going in the portal. They have a New Year's Six bowl game coming up, and he put himself in the portal. So clearly he's looking to move. And then you just start wondering, wait a second, why would the quarterback of Ohio State, who had a good year, transfer? We could understand a couple years ago when Quinn Ewers was playing behind Justin Fields, and he decided to transfer because he didn't play. Kyle McCord started the whole year. And he went 11 and one, and he put himself in the portal yesterday, which means he's gone. He's not putting himself in the portal to be like, oh, let me see what my other options are out there, and if he doesn't like any other options, he'll be like, yeah, I just want to come back to Ohio State. They're not welcoming him back. He basically said, I don't want to be here. Now the rumor floating around is Ohio State is going after Cam Ward from Washington State, and the reason that rumor is going around. Is because once the Kyle McCord story hit social media yesterday that he had entered his name into the portal, ESPN football analyst Ryan Clark subtweeted that and said, They're going after Cam Ward. Or it says like, he said something along the lines of, Because they want Cam Ward or because Cam Ward's going there. So, and then Ryan Clark deleted his tweet. So nobody knows if Ryan Clark said that because it's something he heard because he's an NFL insider, or if it's something that he like he heard a rumor and he ran with it, or he heard this to be fact and he already knows it's going to happen and he thought it was already out there. But it's really interesting because if Cam Ward does end up at Ohio State, one, they're going to be a top five team next year because he's a really good quarterback. And number two, I think people are going to realize that Ryan Clark made a mistake and he had heard rumblings and he ran with something he knew when he probably shouldn't have because there's nothing out there that says that, that he's going there. But we'll see who ends up at Ohio State. But Kyle McCord, not going to be their quarterback. Can't imagine he's going to be their quarterback in the bowl game. So now that kind of changes a lot of things for their bowl game because the quarterback who's been with them all season long and who's quarterbacked them all season long isn't even going to play in the bowl game. I can't imagine Kyle McCord's still going to be their quarterback in a month. He put his name in the portal. So and the portal is only open, I think, for two weeks now and then two weeks in April right after the spring game. So. I mean, shit, <laughs> how is he going back to Ohio State? I don't think he is. And if Cam Ward ends up there, boy, people are going to be like, Jay, gee, thanks, Ryan Clark. Thanks for letting the cat out of the bag so early. Moving on to the NFL favorites have dominated the last two weeks. The public has done really well in the NFL the last two weeks. 20 favorites have covered, eight underdogs covered. Yesterday we had a upset on Monday Night Football. Cincinnati beat Jacksonville 34-31. So three out of five underdogs that covered this week won the game outright. It was Arizona beating Pittsburgh. It was uh, Green Bay beating Kansas City. Cincinnati beating Jacksonville. On Thursday night we had the game where the dog covered Seattle covered against Dallas, but didn't win. And then Carolina covered against Tampa Bay and they didn't win. So only five underdogs covered this week in the NFL. Three of them went outright. And for the last two weeks, favorites, 20 favorites have covered. Eight underdogs have covered. In all my years of doing this, that starts to even out. I know the over-unders really haven't evened out. There's still been a lot of unders, especially on uh, night games. But whether it's Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night, but Back-to-back weeks where favorites have dominated. I don't know which upsets are going to happen, but prepare yourself because I do think some upsets will happen this weekend in the NFL. I've got to look over the whole schedule and see. I know there's like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, once again, the same exact spot they were in last week, six-point favorites at home against a bad team. They couldn't beat the Arizona Cardinals. They got beat by two touchdowns. And now, just two days from now, they are hosting the New England Patriots, the two and 10 New England Patriots who are god awful, who cannot score, but yet the Pittsburgh Steelers are starting Mitch Trubisky. Do you really want to put money on Mitch Trubisky laying six points at home? I certainly don't. And if you look at it, New England, I don't know if you've seen this, New England is a really, really good defensive team. They're the first team since 1938 who lost three games in a row. And never gave up over 10 points. They lost 6 nothing this past week, and the two weeks previous, 10-7 and 10-6. Yeah. Three straight losses, didn't give up more than 10 points, and they went 0-3. It's never happened since 1938. Oh, that's only been 85 years. <laughs> I mean, this is a historically bad offensive team. They're rolling into Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Pittsburgh off a loss to an Arizona team that had won, what, two games? Now you got New England rolling in. Won two games this year. Can't score. But Pittsburgh is starting a backup quarterback. And like I said last week, and why Arizona was my underdog play of the week, the Pittsburgh Steelers should never be laying six points against anybody. Kenny Pickett, no Kenny Pickett. Shouldn't happen. Does it mean I'm going to take New England plus the six? I'm leaning towards no just because. When I gave you the Arizona pick as the underdog play, I said, look, they're playing better with Kyle, Kyler Murray. And if Kyler Murray is behind center, they can hang with teams. I have zero confidence in anything new England puts out there offensively. So probably stay away from that game. Now for suicide pools, drop dead pools, survivor pools, whatever you want to call them. A lot of people will have Pittsburgh on Thursday night. And so I'll be cheering <laughs> for the Patriots, because I want people to get eliminated from my pool. There's only 38 people left. We had over 1700 people that started in the pool. We only have 38 people left and I'm one of them and I have more than one spot left. So wish me luck. And finally want to talk real quickly about the Cowboys and the Patriots Cowboys and the Patriots Cowboys and the Eagles this Sunday. So here we are 10 and two are the Eagles Cowboys are 9-3. The Eagles have already beaten the Cowboys once. The Eagles have a better divisional record and conference record. If the Cowboys win this Sunday, they are both 10-3 and and tied for the lead in the NFC East. The issue then becomes the Cowboys' schedule the remaining part of the season is way tougher than Seattle, and the Cowboys have to finish a game ahead of Philly to win the NFC East. If they beat them Sunday, they'll be tied with them. However, the Cowboys' last four games are at Buffalo, at Buffalo, at Miami, home Detroit, at Washington. The Philadelphia Eagles' last four games, let's just say they lose on Sunday and they're sitting there at 10-3, and 3, their last four games are at Seattle, Giants twice in Arizona. So even if the Cowboys win, and it's going to get everybody fired up, especially here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, everyone will be pumped. Oh, we beat Philly. Oh, we have the same record as Philly. We can win the NFC East. The chances are they're probably still not going to win it because they would literally have to run the table. They'd have to go 4-0 and the rest of the way, and the Eagles would probably have to go 3-1. and The Eagles would have to drop one of their last four games. I don't think they're losing to the Giants or the Cardinals. But weirder things have happened this year, I guess. So just got to keep that in mind as we head down the stretch. But uh, biggest game this weekend is for the Cowboys. They need to win this. If they don't win, they have lost any chance they have to beat the Philadelphia Eagles for the NFC East title. They'll be basically three games behind with four to play, and they're done. So if the Cowboys have any chance of winning the NFC East, they have to. This is a must-win for them on Sunday, and it's not a must-win for the Eagles. It really isn't, because they know what's coming up. They know that they have reached the gauntlet of their schedule. Remember, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this is the Cowboys. It's all there for them. If they can't win this game, Not that I had much faith in them in a big game anyway, but if they can't win this game, they have no one to blame but themselves. This is the fifth game for the Eagles gauntlet of Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, San Francisco, and now the Cowboys again. This is game number five in that five-game gauntlet, and they're 3-1. and Not to mention, the Cowboys played last Thursday, so the Cowboys have 10 days rest And they're getting the Eagles at home where they've won 13 in a row. And the Eagles in the game five of a five-game gauntlet. And in one of those five, they've already beaten you. Like, it is setting up perfectly for the Cowboys. If they cannot win this game, all bets are off. And you might just bet against them in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, this is a Dak versus Jalen game, too. Because if the Cowboys win this game, I'm assuming it's going to be because Dak Prescott plays well. And I think people will take the shine off the Jalen Hurts for MVP luster and put it on Dak because they're going to be like, whoa, wait a second. Dak now quarterbacks the team with the best record in the NFC, or one of the best records in the NFC, and he just beat Jalen at home. It's going to be there for the taking. The narrative is going to change to Dak Prescott can win the MVP if the Cowboys win Sunday. However, as I said, you've got those four games left for the Dallas Cowboys, which is absolutely a... It's it's tough. Three straight games against teams with winning records, and they've only played three games all season versus teams with winning records before this weekend. So while Dak might become the front runner after this weekend, he can easily fall back behind Jalen Hurts, because I don't think I don't think Dak Prescott wins the NFL MVP this year. They have to at least win the NFC East. And I just told you how tough that's going to be for the Cowboys even if they win on Sunday. But it's there. The narrative's there. And I'm telling you, all the talking heads on Monday, if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, and especially if they beat them fairly handily, like they've beaten every, else, every other opponent at home this year outside of Seattle last week, if they beat them by 7 to 14 points, the narrative is going to become Dak Prescott is the current front runner for the MVP. You heard it here first. That's what the narrative will become. But I don't think it means much because there's still four games left in the season And Jalen's got four easier games than the Cowboys do down the stretch. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Tell your friends. Got some good stuff this week. We got some, you know, all month to break down bowl games and especially the college football playoff, the New Year's Six, all that stuff. So good stuff coming up in the month of December. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will remember, oh, I got to remind you, remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. 追